Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And our final guest this hour is a former Drill Instructor of the Year, then went Special Forces and was once named the Green Beret of the Year, the author of the book, The Transition Mission, Army veteran and snake eater, Herb Thompson. Great to have you on the show, man. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Listen, as I watched, as you did this week, um, just get so horribly ugly. I found the angle you had in a recent post by wearethemighty.com great website there and uh it's an article entitled as afghanistan falls we remind you stand proud of your service the crux to the article i found was a healthy angle but i want to start before we unpack the article and what you have to share a little bit about your background share with me your perspective and your afghanistan experience so two trips there one back in 0304 and the 2012 i spent about 10 months uh being an advisor to a commando Afghan commando, their version of our Rangers. And that's really where I live with them every day. And we went out and uh, we covered all of the North. So from Iran to China, we were the only kinetic arm for the Afghans there. And uh, we went out and saw the Taliban and all the places you just saw overrun. We were going in there and clearing them out. And you mentioned a kind of unique distinction that I don't know that all of our listeners understand. But when we talk SF, when we talk Green Beret, um, we're talking people that get embedded or people that live with the local, you know, live with the locals, get to know the tribes, stay the long haul. And when we talk Rangers, we're usually talking tip of the spear, right? Those guys kicking indoors, doing direct action missions. Uh, does that kind of summarize or at least put into context the difference between those two units? Good, good summary. I mean, the Rangers are shock infantry troops, right? You need something taken and smashed, send them. If you want to build up an indigenous force, uh, you send in a few Green Berets who become force multipliers, and those 10 or 12 guys lead thousands. Uh, like when you saw, you know, 20 years ago, that was what was about to happen in Afghanistan as a response to 9-11. Now, as you were in Afghanistan for all those many months and years, and you were on multiple missions doing a lot of different things, 
What did you see on the ground while you were there? When we first got there, was it bang, bang, bang against the Taliban every day? Or did it seem as though the Taliban just sort of maybe drifted and quietly disappeared into the shadows and you never really knew who was who? Yeah, in some way they were like ghosts. They drifted. And then because I got there in January, that's cold months, not the fighting season. As the year progressed, the fighting picked up. And then we'd have to go out and seek them. They would never come find us, right? Where we were up in the north, uh, we had to go find them. And like one village we went to, we were there to help. We were just talking. There was no immediate threat. And they're like, hey, you come through here once every few weeks. The Taliban comes through every night. We'll listen to them. And I, I just gave me a different perspective of, uh, you know, seeing it with American lens versus, uh, you know, an Afghan farmer who's, who has to live it every day. And to that, I guess that's where I'm trying to get my head around this whole thing is we see what is arguably a collapse of a nation with that last description you had it almost seems as though they were always there it is their land and the fact that we were there for a for the periods of time we were there we really were the insurgency i mean is afghanistan are those valleys and hills and mountains are those inherently taliban country and for us to pretend we can change that is an exercise in futility or is it a group of people desperate for change and that want Walmarts and targets and Starbucks and ski resorts? Yeah. I never heard anybody clamoring for Starbucks or a ski resort there. I think most people just want to live their lives. Right. And it's all based on their tribe and their village. Now, some of them are historically aligned towards the Taliban and some are not, or the, you know, the, the theology or the ideology behind the Taliban. But the everyday person, for the most part, let me just make it through today alive. Let me grow my crop. Let me do my live my life as I see fit in the Afghan way that I know how. Did you ever feel as though we were trying to give them things that they didn't want? We were giving them answers to questions they didn't have. We were trying to give a democracy to them that they didn't understand. We were trying to build a government that they wouldn't use. I mean, in, in so many ways, you're embedded with the locals there as SF. What did you feel while you were there was going down? Definitely after being there and, you know, earning their trust and living amongst them. So we were giving them the American way of life. And quite frankly, they didn't want the American way of life. Uh, now there's some that do, but we, we were not, we were looking at it from the American perspective and not their perspective of what their government, how they would govern themselves. So there was always this conundrum of like, wow, the bigger mission it probably doesn't make sense. But at the end of the day, I knew I was, I was making a difference on the ground where I was, and that's all I could control. I couldn't control the policy that was put on by, you know, commanders and politicians up above me. Spoken like a true enlisted, myself included. Yeah. You know, like I couldn't change the direction of the carrier. I just had to do what the captain said. And um, sometimes as an E4 with <laughs> my own best interests, that was harder than I thought because I didn't always want to do what the command wanted to do. Um did you ever feel like you were conflicted about the very motto that is the Green Berets, De Oppresso Liber, free the oppressed? Did you ever feel like you're trying to free people that maybe didn't want necessarily our version of freedom? Uh, not for a damn minute. And I truly, I saw so many oppressive things that we talk about oppression here in America, especially now in 2021, nothing compared to what you would see over there. Like it, people cannot believe it. So even while some may not want it, there was some that were being um, oppressed, right? And they didn't want to be oppressed. So yes, uh, I truly believed it. And I still, to this day, what we did was noble. We were, now some people didn't want it, but there is people, let's be real. They didn't want to be treated like crap and be 
you know, not even second class citizens, just not even considered citizens. Like if you talk about women and children over there. So I, I believe it with my full heart. Is it safe to say, though, that that is a complex cocktail to take? Because like you've got some that you truly feel were being oppressed. And then you've got some that are like, OK, well, I'm just a farmer growing dates or figs or grapes. And I'm actually down with Taliban ideology. Like, that's got to be a hard one to square because, like, not everyone's clamoring for change. Yet, the few instances or some instances when you can see real change happening, you got to take pride in. What a tough thing to try to, to try to square. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, both then and then since then. And my, my saying then was always, let's get an Afghan good enough. Let's get them Afghan good enough. And that was just my way of, you know, simplifying them saying, hey, get it good enough for them. And let me help who I can. And I know some of these I'm, I'm not going to be able to reach. And that's OK. And I'd be talking to them and know they'd just as soon shoot me if they could at that moment. That's OK. You know, they have their right to their beliefs. And if they came, you know, to our country, I'd probably have a different feeling if they were sitting in my front yard right now talking to me, holding on to a gun. So well said, brother. What I liked most about your recent article that you published was that you were speaking to the veterans. And you speed kind of through all of the things that we just spoke of, the policy, what it looked like on the ground, what it was like to be over there. But you get to the feelings and the emotions. And, you know, you said yourself, you watched President Ghani flee Afghanistan and made you angry. Uh, you feel for our Gold Star families whose sacrifice might seem as though it was in vain. Uh, you said that you assure them that it wasn't. And with all these emotions running so richly right now, you have to remind yourself, it's okay to be things like sad, angry, confused. Uh, talk to me a little bit more about what you want the veterans of this conflict to know. Yeah, one, be proud of your service. Uh, it's normal and it's okay to have the mixed feelings, sadness, anger, indifference, whatever. But you did a noble mission. You did the best of your ability when you were on the ground and you have nothing to be ashamed for. Stand proud. And that's what I will tell everybody. It was worth it. We created a lot of safety and a lot of opportunity for people, and it was worth it. It's okay to talk to some buddies about talk about it. the American people need to understand the complexities of this versus 30 second sound bites on social media or on the news program. So talk with people and let them kind of understand the best they can without having been there, what it was like and why it was worth it or why you think it wasn't worth it. Cause that's the beauty of America is we get to have differing opinions. Yeah, like it's okay to maybe not even feel that, you know, that time was the greatest in your life, or it's okay to be a little ticked off that the Afghan villagers you got to know may not have the brightest future right now. And that's putting it damn lightly. I mean, you know, some of these places are going to go backward hard, and it's okay to be pissed off about that. Dang right. I mean, there's places we went and we left parts of us there. We left brothers and sisters there who weren't able to make a homes. And then to see that fall back into the Taliban hands and that oppressive tyranny that they're going to instill on people. Uh, yeah, you, you take it personally, but also we're here now. We're here and we got a life to live and stand by our service, be proud of it, but keep living a good life. And to that, that's where I want to pick up some forward momentum and look not just at the Afghan stand situation through your eyes, but look at it through uh, the things you're doing now. And uh, you've got a book out, The Transition Mission, and it's full of informational interviews and thousands of hours of internet research. Uh, share with me a little bit about The Transition Mission and kind of what you're hoping to do for veterans as we speak right now today. 
Yeah, first and foremost, I believe the more veterans who successfully transition to companies and communities around this nation, the better off we are. And we probably need it now more than ever because we've dealt with difficult problems. We've had to work together towards common goals and that can help in communities now. So I wrote the book Transition Mission was my approach of taking this like a mission and deploying into America. And it, it, a lot of people, you know, it resonate with them. So it's helping people out and that that fills my, you know, my heart. And that's what kind of makes the ticker go. What are some areas of employment or some areas of the American experience that you think veterans should be looking at right now today to get plugged into? That'll be really helpful and, um, you know, cathartic. Yeah, I I think one, find some fellow veterans, whether that's at work through a veteran service organization, somewhere at a college or local community, find find a support network, right? It's not going to find you. You got to go look for it and then figure out how to translate what you did in the military or, you know, your experience out of it. And maybe you have to get certifications. Maybe you have to go get an education. However, that is figure it out and keep, you got in the military and you worked hard to succeed in, do the same thing on the outside and you'll succeed, you know, in a civilian capacity. I see you went on and got your big brain on there with that MBA from Cornell and everything. I see you've been a management consultant uh, uh, before in the private sector. What are some job categories or some job areas you think that are ideal for the transitioning veteran, uh, you know, right now in 2021? Uh, I think one thing sales, everybody has to do sales, right? Uh, next would be anything to do with IT and software. Now, we may not have a big base of that in the military, but it's easy to learn, easy to get certifications, and uh, technology is only becoming in more high demand. So that's the two areas that I think most people discount because there isn't a traditional or many traditional roles from the military into that, but it's one two large ones that they should consider. Very cool. Herb Thompson, man, goes without saying, I thank you for all your sacrifices. I thank for everything you left on the playing field in Afghanistan. And I thank you for everything you're playing for now, helping us find our tribe. And again, your book is The Transition Mission. And uh, your two cents, man, is uh, so valuable as we look at all things Afghanistan this week. I just can't thank you enough for uh, looking out for our fellow veterans, bro. Uh, It's my privilege, Phil. Keep doing what you're doing. I want to thank all of my guests, my colleague at ConnectingVets.com, former Ranger and Special Forces, Jack Murphy, the head of government affairs for Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, Tom Porter, and former Green Beret and author of The Transition Mission, Herb Thompson. Special thanks to The Telegraph and CNBC Television for putting up on YouTube some of the video, which we use to capture the sounds of what's going on in Afghanistan today. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and I'll be back again next week with more great stories from our great military veterans. All right, so that does it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Now, we'd love to hear from you, so follow us on Twitter at IonVeterans, or you can reach me at PhilBriggsVet. I'm always down to get your hot takes and spicy memes, and I'd love to talk to you every week, so please like and subscribe. Hell, even give us a review of the show, because the comments and reviews really help us tailor the show to you. Again, I'm Phil Briggs, Navy veteran and reporter with ConnectingVets.com in Washington, D.C., and I look forward to talking to you again on another episode of CBS Audio's 
Ion Veterans. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.